Good morning. It's great to uh, be back with you. Played hooky for a couple weeks while I was here last week, but uh, we're so glad that you are with us today. So glad that you've chosen to uh, join us online today. Thank you for taking the time to connect with Family Life Church wherever or whenever you're connecting with us. And a shout out to our group in Carleton that's meeting today under the leadership of Pastor Clint and a great team from Family Life Church. Family Life Church Carleton is happening and we love it. That's exciting. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't believe it's an accident that you're here today. And, and uh, as we connect with God's Word, as we connect with one another, um, it's such an incredible thing to be able to do that. We've been in a series over the last six weeks uh, called Summer Psalms. We're working our way through the Psalms. Not all of them were. We're hitting psalms throughout uh, th this whole summer, and as you know, there's 150 of them, so we can't hit them all, but uh, I've been enjoying them. I don't know about you. I think it's been a great way to connect with God's Word, and anytime you put God's Word into your life, it always speaks to us. It's always fresh. It's always new. God's Word is always speaking over the centuries. He's never stopped speaking. I heard this, that God never stops speaking until you close the Word, <laughs> If you open the word and allow it to come into your life. We're looking at uh, Psalm 42 today. And you know, there are a lot of psalms that are psalms of celebration. We know that psalms are songs and they're hymns and they're poems and they're also laments. What is a lament? A lament is just pouring your heart out when things aren't so great. Psalm 42 is one of those lament songs, uh, psalms. And really, it's a prayer. This particular psalm is basically <laughs> about spiritual depression. Can I get an amen? All right, yay. What'd you learn in Sunday school? We learned how to be depressed. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to look into God's Word. We believe that uh, this psalm was written by someone that had been separated from God's place of worship. Some believe that when uh, Jeroboam, which was Solomon's son, the next king of Israel, and Rehoboam ripped the kingdom apart into north and south. Many of those in the south longed for the times when they could travel to the temple. This could have been one of those. This psalm is attributed to the sons of Korah. Let me just lay a little knowledge on you today. The sons of Korah were actually Moses's nephews, or Moses's uh, cousin was Korah, and his sons were the ones that did the songs and the worship at the temple. You might remember Korah in the book of uh, Numbers 16. He led a rebellion against Moses and uh, God opened up the earth and swallowed him up. How's that for a story? Really happened. But these are his sons and his descendants. Point of note here, the prophet Samuel was also a descendant of Korah. So we've got, as we've learned, David didn't write all the Psalms, but he wrote a lot of them. There's over a third of the Psalms that are, uh, uh, we don't know who wrote them, and some are attributed right here, over 11 of them, to the sons of Korah. So this is where we pick up Psalm 42. Now, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are believed to be one song, and somehow it got separated. So I'm going to show you how, why we believe it's the same, because it has the same cadence, it has the kind of the same verse and chorus, and, uh, but somehow it got separated, so we're going to tie those two together. So let's start by just reading Psalm 42. You can follow along in your favorite translation, you can follow along at home, or it's on the screen. Psalm 42 starts like this, as the deer longs for streams of water, God, I long for you in the same way. Some of you might remember it like this, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs after you. This translation goes on to say, I am thirsty for God. I am thirsty for the living God. Where can I go to meet with him? My tears have been my food day and night. All day long, people say to me, where is your God? Then I remember what has happened. I, I tell God all my troubles I remember how I used to walk into the house of God. The mighty one guarded my steps. We shouted with joy and praised God as we went along with, with the joyful crowd. My spirit, why are you so sad? Why are you so upset deep down inside of me? Put your hope in God, 
Once again, I have a reason to praise him. He is my savior and my God. You see how he's, he's trying to encourage himself a little bit, but then he goes back. My spirit is very, very sad deep inside me, so I will remember you here where the Jordan River begins. I will remember you on Hermon's mountains, on Mount uh, Mitzar. I have sent wa- you have sent wave upon wave of trouble over me. It roars down on me like a waterfall. All your waves and breakers have rolled over me. During the day, the Lord sends his love to me. During the night, I sing about him. I say a prayer to the God who gives me life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go around in sorrow? Why am I treated so badly by my enemies? My body suffers deadly pain and my enemy makes fun of me. All day long, they say to me, where is your God? My spirit, why are you so sad? Why are you so set deep sound inside of me? Put your hope in God. Once again, I will have a reason to praise him. He is my savior and my God. And then I want to go to verse 5 in chapter 43, and you can see how this is the same song. Verse 5 says, my spirit, why are you so sad? Why are you so upset deep down inside of me? Put your hope in God. Once again, I will have reason to praise him. He is my savior and my God. Now, some have thought this psalm was written by one of the sons of Korah who went with David when he was escaping from his son Solomon, and he had to escape from Jerusalem, and it was just a song that he wrote describing the the angst of the heart. And like I said, we know these two psalms are connected, 42 and 43, and it's kind of broken down in three parts or three uh, choruses. The first one is about dryness. The second one is about drowning. And the third one is about dejection. How many just feel encouraged today? But you know what? This is a reality in our life. How many know that we all don't live on the mountaintop all the time? There's going to be times in your life where you don't know what's going on, and you might even say, God, where are you? Maybe people might notice your life and know that you're a believer, know that you are a person of faith, and they see you go through a difficult time, and they might ask you, hey, where is your God now? And we see this. And really, I want to title this Spiritual Depression, and that title came from a book written by a former psychologist that became a pastor, Dr. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He wrote the book Spiritual Depression, but I would like to look at some... Maybe, maybe some of the possibilities of why we can find ourselves in that depression today. And, and, and then I want to turn and see the remedy that we can find also. First of all, I think we need to, to address some misconceptions because I don't think the church does an excellent job of teaching on either depression or mental illness. Last week, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go online and watch the service with uh, Steve Kramer. Phenomenal. I've been hearing comments uh, all week. I loved that service. And uh, first of all, I think we need to address maybe some of the misconceptions. You have heard about the four spiritual laws. Let's talk about three spiritual flaws when it comes to trying to describe. I thought that'd be better than that, but I can see you're already depressed by where we've been going. First of all, let me tell you about one flaw that we have in the church is when we say the depression is all in your head. When we say, oh, it's just all in your head. You know what? The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your body is a complex machine, and it's in fine balance, and there's chemicals to those. And anytime you have an imbalance, you're going to have a reaction to that. If your blood is low on iron, we are readily to say, well, that is anemic situation, and we treat it. If, if, you have, if your natural sugars are out of whack, you might have diabetes and need to treat that. But in the same way, your brain is a bunch of neurotransmitters that fire across the synapses and nerve endings, and it's a fine balance of things that need to be in play. And these things, like if your serotonin is low, it's obvious that you're going to be affected with your sleep or anxiety. You know, if you're you're low low on epinephrine, and if it's off, there's going to be fatigue and maybe a depressed mood. If your cortisol is out of balance, it can intensify your response to fear. So these are things. It's not just all in your head. It's a very real thing. Don't believe that you just made it up 
in your mind. You're not crazy. Here's what you are. We call it you're human, okay? You're human. And if you're feeling low and you're feeling discouraged, I love how the psalm takes it to God. He doesn't just paint a smile on his face and say, oh, everything's okay, and walk into the lobby and say, praise the Lord anyhow. No. He says, God, this is bothering me, and I'm going to give it to you. God, see me through this season. The second flaw about spiritual depression would be this. Christians should never be depressed. You ever hear that one? Hey, if you come to Christ, all your problems go away. That, that doesn't fly. Again, if you believe that, don't read the Psalms. If you believe that you know, Christians should never be, or Christ followers, or God's people should never, don't read the Psalms because it's all the way through there. Just, just go ahead and ignore people like Moses and people like Jeremiah and people like uh, David and people like the Apostle Paul. Every one of them dealt with seasons. Elisha got to the place where he said, I'd rather be dead than live. But if we say we come to Jesus and all our problems go away, we live happily ever after. Let me tell you what, there is a heaven, and God says we're going to see clearly when we get to heaven, but on this earth, we're going to have seasons. Do you know that Vanderbilt University did a study and found that Pentecostal people are four times as likely to be depressed as non-Pentecostal people? And I thought, well, that's not fair. What's the deal? We got the Holy Spirit charging us up, but sometimes you can come in and you can buy into, if I'm right with God, then I need to be healthy, wealthy, and everything's rocking. Can I just be honest with you today? But Jesus can and should change your life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. But guess what? We still live in a fallen world, and there are going to be seasons in this life. And when we get to heaven, the scripture says that we see through a mirror, like a foggy mirror. But when we get to heaven, things will clear. Amen. Second thing, or the third thing today, if you're depressed, you must be unspiritual or immature. Well, like I said, we have great examples in the Bible of very mature, very effective leaders that went through this. Again, it's the flawed thinking that we all have to deal with the effects of a fallen world. And you can love Jesus and still struggle. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But don't just sit there. Realize that I've overcome the world. Give it to me. Cry out to me. Pour it out to me. Peter put it this way, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. I don't know about you, but sometimes just know that somebody knows and cares. That's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. Well, as we look into these Psalms, we can see some reason, especially in Psalm 42 and 43, we can see some possible reason of things that will get you down or drag you down. Let's just look at a few of those. First of all, there's expectations. Expectations. Look at verse 1. It says, As a deer longs for streams of water, God, I long for you in the same way. I am thirsty for God. I am thirsty for the living God. My tears have been my food day and night, all day long. People say to me, Where is your God? Then I remember what has happened. I tell God all my troubles. I remember how I used to walk into the house of God. The mighty one guarded my steps. He shouted with joy. We shouted with joy and praise. Listen to the longing in his heart there, the longing, the missing what they longed for, what he expected in his life, what they expected to be happening wasn't happening. You know, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, I expected that my marriage would be better. I expected that my job was going to be my dream job and I'd never have to look for another one. I expected that all my kids were going to turn out exactly the way I thought. I expected that I wasn't going to lose, that I was going to win. You see that? Some expectations are very good. Don't hear me. Don't hear me say that you shouldn't have any expectations in life. I'm just telling you that part of life is realizing that what I expected isn't exactly going to be my reality, and that can lead to that. The more unrealistic your expectation, the more severe the depression to follow. Sometimes we can feel that Jesus should make us successful in everything, and we could never struggle, but Jesus never said that. Jesus said, prepare yourself for the struggle and know that I am with you and I will help you through. And this life is not all there 
is. Well, another reason that we could possibly be depressed is to criticism. Being criticized can lead to discouragement, and I don't want that. I'm very susceptible. I'm sensitive to criticism. I don't like to be criticized. Look in the scripture today, and they say, notice it keeps saying, they say, where is your God? Who are they? Well, they're his critics. They say. You can experience criticism when you're even doing the right thing. I think that's even worse. Have you ever been criticized when you knew that you were doing the right thing? You ever said the right thing, something that's truth, and then you got criticized for it. That can lead to depression. If you haven't been criticized, uh, then you probably haven't been on social media, or you you keep your opinion to yourself on social media, right? You make a stand for what you believe, look out. You're going to talk about they say. They say they're going to say some things about you. They're going to say some things about what you believe, even if you feel like you're right. You try to do the right thing at work, trying to make the right decisions, and those above you might be critical of that. That's even harder to handle. Proverbs 12, 25 says that anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. Where is your God? Where is your God? Can you hear them? Just say, where is your God? What's going on? Uh, my daughter and son-in-law are part of a great church in Washington, and they had a, an outdoor service along a river, and they had an incredible baptism time. And, uh, man, it was incredible. They had just literally hundreds of people down around this river, and people were getting baptized. And, and then afterwards, they kind of started floating down the river, intentionally, not... <laughs> It's kind of, boosh, there you go, all right, next, no, they actually had some tubes involved, Uh, but uh, of course they went on social media and they were celebrating the fact that people were getting baptized and having a start to new life and and then all of a sudden, once it got out there, somebody come, I saw somebody littering, I saw somebody throw a can in the water, I saw somebody, and then I kid you not, it was a feeding frenzy. People came on and just, and they, and they were criticizing Jesus, they were criticizing the church, they were accusing, and guess what? Most of those people had no idea. They weren't even in the area, you know what I'm saying? They say, they say. I say, sometimes I need a break from social media. Anybody say? But all these can lead to something that's a preoccupation with self. When I'm thinking about me. In this psalm, I I begin to look through and you can see that the writer is looking at himself a lot. In fact, he mentions over 51 times he says, I or me, or refers to himself. And then I begin to count through and see how many times, 20 times he refers to God, and one time he refers to Lord. So I do a quick math. I'm not uh, a mathematician, but here I do know that 51 minus 21 leaves a lot more self than it does about God. He's looking at himself too much, and it can cause us to be self-centered. So I think we've rounded the corner really well on knowing what depression can do and what some of the possible uh, uh, realities of that are, but let's look at some of the remedies about that. That's what I always like looking in God's Word. We can always find something that is encouraging for us. Let's look at the remedy. The remedy is one word I want to share with you today. One word, and that's replace. Replace. We're going to talk about replacing your thoughts with His truth. We're going to talk about replacing yourself with your God. And I want to talk to you about replacing your past with your future. First of all, we got to replace our thoughts with his truth. And he talks to himself. Here's what I love about this. You know, sometimes you can talk to yourself and they might think you look crazy, right? It's like, you know, who are you talking to in there? I'm talking to, having a great conversation with me, myself, and I. But he's talking to himself and he begins to say, what's going on with you inside? What's, why are you so downcast, oh my soul, is what he says. What's going on deep inside of me? Why are you looking down? And he begins to talk to himself, why are you so upset? And he begins to have a conversation. I've said this before. Sometimes you got to preach yourself a good sermon. I don't even care if you get it from somebody else. <laughs> you know, man, you got to preach yourself a good sermon. And that's what he sees. He's like looking down inside. 
I started talking about the book on spiritual depression by Dr. Lloyd, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he says this in his book on spiritual depression. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they're talking to you. And they bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, I love in verse 42, it's instead of allowing this self to talk, he starts talking to himself. Why are you downcast? And he asks his soul, why it's depressed inside of him, and he stands up and he says, hey, now hear this. I know how you feel, but let's talk about truth. God is real. He is here. You got to talk to yourself. Listen for a moment. Let him speak. I get up in the morning and you got the things going off and, and, and the self-talk is going and, and, and thoughts are coming in. And when have you ever interrupted and said, you know what, wait a minute, let me just tell you something. Here's what I know about God. Or what I like to do is like that thing I just thought, man, does that sound like Jesus' voice to me? Is that something Jesus would say to me? I read a story about a, a teacher that had a, a, a classroom and many of the students in the classroom had been victims of emotional, physical, sexual abuse over their life. They were abused and they were trying to work through these circumstances. And one of the exercises that she would do is she would say, now I want you to go into your mind and I want you to picture a chalkboard and what has been written on the chalkboard of your life by others. And as you can imagine, these girls begin to speak about things that are on the chalkboard of their life, things that have been written by abusers and those that didn't love them, that took advantage of them, and things were written. And said, now, can you see that on the chalkboard? It's a very emotional moment. And they said, yes. And then she said, now, I want you to picture Jesus to walk into that classroom. And he takes an eraser, and he erases the chalkboard. And I want you to think of what Jesus would say to you. Man, sometimes we remind ourselves what Jesus says to us. Jesus never told me, Dave, if you follow me, you'll never have a problem. He does say this a lot. Look here. Stop looking over there. Look here again. Okay, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. I know who you are. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, but you live on a messed up planet, but we're going to get through. It's just a season. Come on. You can follow me. There's going to be blessing in the struggle. Guess what? I can even provide a table in the presence of your enemies. So you got to replace. Secondly, you got to replace yourself with your God. Look when he stops thinking about himself and he talks to God. He says, during the day, the Lord sends his love to me. During the night, I sing about him. I say a prayer to God who gives me life. I say to God, you're my rock. Why have you forgotten me? And he's talking to God. Something about looking in the right direction can change things in your life as you begin to talk to God. Can I ask you, what's your favorite worship music? And it's okay if it's hymns. Man, there are some hymns. I've heard hymns come on, and all of a sudden, some tears. My eyes start leaking because I remember as a kid listening to those hymns and the message of those songs. And we have no excuse. Today, we have access to the greatest worship music ever with the message of looking to Christ. You can turn it in on your radio. You can get it on your phone at any moment. I'm just saying maybe a suggestion, maybe an action step was just put that on your home and let that play in your home. Maybe you already do this, but get your playlist and play it and just let it feel the atmosphere of your space because it can make a difference. You might have heard of Corey Tin Boom. She was a Christian woman who survived a Nazi death camp 
and told her story and wrote incredible books called The Hiding Place. But here's what she says. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look to God, you'll be at rest. And let me just ask you, maybe some of you have, this just sounds foreign to you, because there are people that are just naturally less depressed than others. Maybe you have not experienced this. Maybe in your, oh, you come through a season, you've come out of it, and you've learned, and you've learned these principles, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but the Bible says that we can comfort others with the comfort we have received. Let me ask you, who are you pointing people to? One of the incredible messages that Steve Kramer brought last week, and I'm going to remind you again, if you didn't see that, you can check out online, you can watch it again. But he talked about so many times people that are vulnerable aren't listened to and aren't looked for even in the church. What if you would be one of those people that look for people that you notice? And, you know, don't be awkward. Don't go to, hey, I've noticed you really look depressed. (laughs) I've had people say that to me. I was like, I didn't think I was, but now I am. Thank you very little, right? But listen for signs. Listen for words that they're speaking. And in the appropriate moment, maybe you could step in and point them in the direction of Jesus. Maybe you could point them in the direction of someone who can care for them. Maybe you need to point to Jesus more on our social media. I don't know when we stop being Jesus followers and end up just being conservatives. Uh, We're going to edit that out because I think I just ticked off some people. But I'm telling you, we should be Jesus followers first. Maybe we pointed to Jesus more. Okay, I'll stop. What am I talking? I'm talking replace, replace. So I'm going to replace your thoughts with his truth. We're going to replace yourself with your God. And then we need to replace your past with your future. That is why... Chapter 43 is so important to chapter 42 because there's a shift that happens at the end of 42 and when it goes into 43, it, it, it switches into a hope for the future. And, and, and he makes this turn, forgetting the past of 42 and he looks ahead. My hope is that You will be vindicated, and I will be vindicated, and you will rescue me. That's in verse 1. And then then down in verse 3 of verse 43, it said, My hope is that you are my stronghold and my light. And then in in verse 5, it says, My hope is that God will restore his place of worship in the temple. And then it finishes up with, again, talking to himself, saying, Why are you downcast? Let's get up. The Apostle Paul said this, Philippians 3.13, you've heard it so much. Forgetting what is behind and pressing on towards what's ahead. Now, this is what it doesn't say. It doesn't say take everything behind and hide it under a rug. (laughs) Push it under the surface. Ignore that it's not there. You know what? We might need the process of dealing with some past things, but part of dealing with the past things, and you know I'm a proponent of quality Christian counseling, and it doesn't just have to be your brother-in-law. It needs to be somebody that knows what they're saying and knows what they're talking about, not just anybody with an opinion. But as I work through that, that's the process of forgetting what is behind and pressing on toward what's ahead. That is hope. We're going to do something a little different today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And we're just going to worship together one more song. And I want you to take what we've talked about today. I want you to take what I believe the Holy Spirit usually speaks a better message than what I'm saying. The Spirit is talking to you about something. He's bringing something to your mind. And maybe we could just sit just before we leave this atmosphere, before we leave this room, before you check out of where you're at, would you just concentrate for a moment and allow God to speak to you, because it's all about looking to the future. I don't know if you've ever read the end of the Bible. Here's an assignment. Read Revelations 20 and 21. Guess what? That is your future. That's your future if you're following Jesus. I love what Randy Alcorn says. He says, for the Christian, this present life is as close to hell as you'll ever get. If you're a follower of Jesus, what you see right now, this is as close to hell as you'll ever get. But for those that don't know Jesus, this present life is as good as it's ever going to get. 
we are on this planet for a brief period of time. Some of it will be hard, but eternity, eternity will make this life seem paper thin. My spirit, why are you so sad? Why are you so upset deep down inside me? Put your hope in God. Once again, I will have a reason to praise him. He is my Savior and my God. Would you stand with me? Jesus, we thank you, God, today for who you are, for what you say to us. Thank you, God, that you speak a better word than maybe is naturally inside of our mind. Thank you, God, that we have the ability to look inside our heart and say, why are you so downcast? Look to God. He is our hope. Thank you, God, that you can help us through difficult times. Thank you, God, for those times when what we expected didn't happen, but yet we look back and we see that you were there. God, I pray that we would be those people that don't just think about ourselves and are preoccupied with ourselves, but we would look to you and then be those that would point others to you that could be those solid rocks in people's lives that can come alongside and point them to truth when truth is hard to find. Thank you, God, for your healing work. Thank you, God, for even what you've started. I believe you've started a healing work in this room. I believe you've started a healing work for those that are watching this today. God, help us in Jesus' name. Let me just say to you today, if, if this is not like a PSA, but if you are or have dealt with depression, please speak to someone. We would love to help you. You can just actually text us at 94,000. Connect, FLC Connect, 94,000, and it will be uh, very easily uh, got to us, and we can get you some resources. You can email me. You can call me. Just let us know. Don't hold it in. But I'm also asking you to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Look for others who you can bless. You know what I found? When I'm pointing someone else to Jesus, guess what? I get to see him a little clearer too. It happens that way. Don't leave today if we can pray with you. Don't leave the room online. There's a host that would love to get connected with you in prayer. We have a prayer wall right here to your left, and there will be those there that love Jesus and would love to pray with you before you go. You know, uh, next Sunday is a special Sunday, and sometimes people don't understand why we don't have regular service on next Sunday. August 1st, we're going to go outside these four walls and serve our community. I just don't think there's anything more Christ-like or more Jesus-like than going out and getting your hands in the weeds for our community. Or you don't have to have work physically. There's going to be projects inside where you can put together appreciation packets for teachers that we want to say we appreciate. So there'll be something for everyone. And if you just want to show up and eat a hamburger, you can do that too. But remember, next week, that's what's going to happen out in the back parking lot. Show up a little early so you can get your t-shirt. We will have coffee and donuts because you know you can't work or do anything spiritual without that. That'll be there. We'll get your shirt. We'll get you, you know, just bring a, a shovel, a hoe, whatever you got. <laughs> There'll be tools here. We'll get you in a team if you haven't already signed up. And uh, we're going to go out and bless our community. We're going to do it here and in Carleton. We're going to bless teachers from Crater Elementary and Carleton Elementary School. And we think that's just like Jesus. But until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that he would turn his countenance and shine his countenance on your life. He's turning towards you. He's looking at you right now. And he's shedding his love on your life. God bless you as you will live the life this week. Good morning. It's great to uh, be back with you. Played hooky for a couple weeks while I was here last week. But uh, we're so glad that you are with us today. So glad that you've chosen to uh, join us online today. Thank you for taking the time to connect with Family Life Church wherever or whenever you're connecting with us. And a shout out to our group in Carleton that's meeting today under the leadership of Pastor Clint and a great team from Family Life Church. Family Life Church Carleton is happening and we love it. That's exciting. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't believe it's an accident that you're here today. And, and uh, as we connect with God's Word, as we connect with one another, um, it's such an incredible thing to be able to do that. We've been in a series over the last six weeks uh, called Summer Psalms. We're working our way through the Psalms. Not all of them. We're, 
we're hitting psalms throughout uh, this whole summer. And as you know, there's 150 of them, so we can't hit them all. But uh, I've been enjoying them. I don't know about you. I think it's been a great way to connect with God's Word. And anytime you put God's Word into your life, it always speaks to us. It's always fresh. It's always new. God's Word is always speaking over the centuries. He's never stopped speaking. I heard this, that God never stops speaking until you close the Word, (laughs) if you open the Word and allow it to come into your life. We're looking at uh, Psalm 42 today. And you know, there are a lot of psalms that are psalms of celebration. We know that psalms are songs, and they're hymns, and they're poems, and they're also laments. What is a lament? A lament is just pouring your heart out when things aren't so great. Psalm 42 is one of those lament songs, uh, psalms, and really it's a prayer. This particular psalm is basically <laughs> about spiritual depression. Can I get an amen? All right, yay. What'd you learn in Sunday school? We learned how to be depressed. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to look into God's Word. We believe that uh, this psalm was written by someone that had been separated from God's place of worship. Some believe that when uh, Jeroboam, which was Solomon's son, the next king of Israel, and Rehoboam ripped the kingdom apart into north and south, many of those in the south longed for the times when they could travel to the temple. This could have been one of those. This psalm is attributed to the sons of Korah. Let me just lay a little knowledge on you today. The sons of Korah were actually Moses's nephews, or Moses's uh, cousin was Korah, and his sons were the ones that did the songs and the worship at the temple. You might remember Korah in the book of uh, Numbers 16. He led a rebellion against Moses, and uh, God opened up the earth and swallowed him up. How's that for a story? really happened, but these are his sons and his descendants. Point of note here, the prophet Samuel was also a descendant of Korah. So we've got, as we've learned, David didn't write all the Psalms, but he wrote a lot of them. There's over a third of the Psalms that are, uh, uh, we don't know who wrote them, and some are attributed right here, over 11 of them, to the sons of Korah. So this is where we pick up Psalm 42. Now, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are believed to be one song, and somehow it got separated. So I'm going to show you how, why we believe it's the same, because it has the same cadence, it has the kind of the same verse and chorus, and, uh, but somehow it got separated, so we're going to tie those two together. So let's start by just reading Psalm 42. You can follow along in your favorite translation. You can follow along at home or it's on the screen. Psalm 42 starts like this. As the deer longs for streams of water, God, I long for you in the same way. Some of you might remember it like this. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs after you. This translation goes on to say, I am thirsty for God. I am thirsty for the living God. Where can I go to meet with him? My tears have been my food day and night. All day long, people say to me, where is your God? Then I remember what has happened. I I tell God all my troubles. I remember how I used to walk into the house of God. The mighty one guarded my steps. We shouted with joy and praised God as we went along with, with the joyful crowd. My spirit, why are you so sad? Why are you so upset deep down inside of me? Put your hope in God. Once again, I have a reason to praise him. He is my savior and my God. You see how he's, he's trying to encourage himself a little bit, but then he goes back. My spirit is very, very sad deep inside me. So I will remember you here where the Jordan River begins. I will remember you on Hermon's mountains, on Mount uh, Mizar. I have sent, you have sent wave upon wave of trouble over me. It roars down on me like a waterfall. All your waves and breakers have rolled over me. During the day, the Lord sends his love to me. During the night, I sing about him. I say a prayer to the God who gives me life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go around in sorrow? Why am I treated so badly by my enemies? My body suffers deadly pain, and 
My enemy makes fun of me. All day long they say to me, where is your God? My spirit, why are you so sad? Why are you so set deep sound inside of me? Put your hope in God. Once again, I will have a reason to praise him. He is my savior and my God. And then I want to go to verse 5 in chapter 43, and you can see how this is the same song. Verse 5 says, my spirit, why are you so sad? Why are you so upset deep down inside of me? Put your hope in God. Once again, I will have reason to praise him. He is my savior and my God. Now, some have thought this psalm was written by one of the sons of Korah who went with David when he was escaping from his son Solomon, and he had to escape from Jerusalem, and it was just a song that he wrote describing the the angst of the heart. And like I said, we know these two psalms are connected, 42 and 43, and it's kind of broken down in three parts or three uh, choruses. The first one is about dryness. The second one is about drowning. And the third one is about dejection. How many just feel encouraged today? But you know what? This is a reality in our life. How many know that we all don't live on the mountaintop all the time? There's going to be times in your life where you don't know what's going on, and you might even say, God, where are you? Maybe people might notice your life and know that you're a believer, know that you are a person of faith, and they see you go through a difficult time, and they might ask you, hey, where is your God now? And we see this. And really, I want to title this Spiritual Depression, and that title came from a book written by a former psychologist that became a pastor, Dr. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He wrote the book Spiritual Depression. But I would like to look at some, maybe, maybe some of the possibilities of why we can find ourselves in that depression today, and, and, and then I want to turn and see the remedy that we can find also. First of all, I think we need to to address some misconceptions because I don't think the church does an excellent job of teaching on either depression or mental illness. Last week, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go online and watch the service with uh, Steve Kramer. Phenomenal. I've been hearing comments uh, all week. I loved that service. And uh, first of all, I think we need to address maybe some of the misconceptions. You have heard about the four spiritual laws. Let's talk about three spiritual flaws when it comes to trying to describe I thought that'd be better than that, but I can see you're already depressed by where we've been going. First of all, let me tell you about one flaw that we have in the church is when we say that depression is all in your head. When we say, oh, it's just all in your head. You know what? The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your body is a complex machine, and it's in fine balance, and there's chemicals to those. And anytime you have an imbalance, you're going to have a reaction to that. If you're blood is low on iron, we are readily to say, well, that is anemic situation, and we treat it. If, if, you have, if your natural sugars are out of whack, you might have diabetes and need to treat that. But I'm, in the same way, your brain is a bunch of neurotransmitters that fire across the synapses and nerve endings, and it's a fine balance of things that need to be in play, and these things like if your serotonin is low, it's obvious that you're going to be affected with your sleep or anxiety. You know, if you're, if you're low, low on epinephrine and if it's off, there's going to be fatigue and maybe a depressed mood. If your cortisol is out of balance, it can intensify your response to fear. So these are things. It's not just all in your head. It's a very real thing. Don't believe that you just made it up in your mind. You're not crazy. Here's what you are. We call it you're human, okay? You're human. And if you're feeling low and you're feeling discouraged, I love how the psalm takes it to God. He doesn't just paint a smile on his face and say, oh, everything's okay, and walk into the lobby and say, praise the Lord anyhow. No. He says, God, this is bothering me, and I'm going to give it to you. God, see me through this season. The second flaw about spiritual depression would be this. Christians should never be depressed. You ever hear that one? Hey, if you come to Christ, all your problems go away. That, that doesn't fly. Again, if you believe that, don't read the Psalms. If you believe that you know, Christians should never be or Christ followers or God's people should never, don't read the Psalms because it's all the way through there. Just, just go ahead and ignore people like Moses and people like Jeremiah and people like 
uh, David and people like the Apostle Paul. Every one of them dealt with seasons. Elisha got to the place where he said, I'd rather be dead than live. But if we say we come to Jesus and all our problems go away, we live happily ever after. Let me tell you what, there is a heaven, and God says we're going to see clearly when we get to heaven, but on this earth, we're going to have seasons. Do you know that Vanderbilt University did a study and found that Pentecostal people are four times as likely to be depressed as non-Pentecostal people? And I thought, well, that's not fair. What's the deal? We got the Holy Spirit charging us up, but sometimes you can come in and you can buy into, if I'm right with God, then I need to be healthy, wealthy, and everything's rocking. Can I just be honest with you today? But Jesus can and should change your life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. But guess what? We still live in a fallen world, and there are going to be seasons in this life. And when we get to heaven, the scripture says we see through a mirror, like a foggy mirror. But when we get to heaven, things will clear. Second thing, or the third thing today, if you're depressed, you must be unspiritual or immature. Well, like I said, we have great examples in the Bible of very mature, very effective leaders that went through this. Again, it's the flawed thinking that we all have to deal with the effects of a fallen world. And you can love Jesus and still struggle. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But don't just sit there. Realize that I've overcome the world. Give it to me. Cry out to me. Pour it out to me. Peter put it this way, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. I don't know about you, but sometimes just know that somebody knows and cares. That's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. Well, as we look into these Psalms, we can see some reason, especially in Psalm 42 and 43. We can see some possible reason of things that will get you down or drag you down. Let's just look at a few of those. First of all, there's expectations. Expectations. Look at verse 1. It says, As a deer longs for streams of water, God, I long for you in the same way. I am thirsty for God. I am thirsty for the living God. My tears have been my food day and night, all day long. People say to me, Where is your God? Then I remember what has happened. I tell God all my troubles. I remember how I used to walk into the house of God. The mighty one guarded my steps. He shouted with joy. We shouted with joy and praise. Listen to the longing in his heart there, the longing, the missing what they longed for, what he expected in his life, what they expected to be happening wasn't happening. You know, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, I expected that my marriage would be better. I expected that my job was going to be my dream job and I'd never have to look for another one. I expected that all my kids were going to turn out exactly the way I thought. I expected that I wasn't going to lose, that I was going to win. You see that? Some expectations are very good. Don't hear me. Don't hear me say that you shouldn't have any expectations in life. I'm just telling you that part of life is realizing that what I expected isn't exactly going to be my reality, and that can lead to that. The more unrealistic your expectation, the more severe the depression to follow. Sometimes we can feel that Jesus should make us successful in everything, and we could never struggle, but Jesus never said that. Jesus said, prepare yourself for the struggle and know that I am with you and I will help you through. And this life is not all there is. Well, another reason that we could possibly be depressed is to criticism. Critic being criticized, criticized can lead to discouragement. And I don't want that. I'm very susceptible. To, I'm sensitive to criticism. I don't like to be criticized. Look in the scripture today, they, and they say, notice it keeps saying, they say, where is your God? Who are they? Well, they're his critics. They say. You can experience criticism when you're even doing the right thing. I think that's even worse. I don't, have you ever been criticized when you knew that you were doing the right thing? You ever said the right thing, something that's truth, and then you got criticized for it. That can lead to depression. If you haven't been criticized, uh, then you probably haven't been on social media, or you, don't, or you keep your opinion to yourself on social media, right? 
you make a stand for what you believe, look out. You're going to talk about they say. They say they're going to say some things about you. They're going to say some things about what you believe. Even if you feel like you're right. You try to do the right thing at work, trying to make the right decisions, and those above you might be critical of that. That's even harder to handle. Proverbs 12, 25 says that anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. Where is your God? Where is your God? Can you hear them? Just say, where is your God? What's going on? Uh, my daughter and son-in-law are part of a great church in Washington, and they had a, an outdoor service along a river, and they had an incredible baptism time. And, uh, man, it was incredible. They had just literally hundreds of people down around this river, and people were getting baptized. And, and then afterwards, they kind of started floating down the river, intentionally not. <laughs> it's kind of, boosh, there you go. All right, next. No. They actually had some tubes involved. Uh, but, uh, of course, they went on social media, and they were celebrating the fact that people were getting baptized and having a start to new life. And, and then, all of a sudden, once it got out there, somebody come. I saw somebody littering. I saw somebody throw a can in the water. I saw somebody, and then, I kid you not, it was a feeding frenzy. People came on, and it just... And they, and they were criticizing Jesus. They were criticizing the church. They were accusing... And guess what? Most of those people had no idea. They weren't even in the area. You know what I'm saying? They say, they say. I say, sometimes I need a break from social media. Anybody say? But all these can lead to something that's a preoccupation with self. When I'm thinking about me. In this psalm, I, I begin to look through and you can see that the writer is looking at himself a lot. In fact, he mentions over 51 times he says I or me or refers to himself. And then I've been going to count through and see how many times, 20 times he refers to God and one time he refers to Lord. So I do a quick math. I'm not uh, a mathematician, but here I do know that 51 minus 21 leaves a lot more self than it does about God. He's looking at himself too much and it can cause us to be self-centered. So, I think we've rounded the corner really well on knowing what depression can do and what some of the possible uh, uh, realities of that are, but let's look at some of the remedies about that. That's what I always like looking in God's Word. We can always find something that is encouraging for us. Let's look at the remedy. The remedy is one word I want to share with you today, one word, and that's replace. Replace. We're going to talk about replacing your thoughts with His truth. We're going to talk about replacing yourself with your God, and I want to talk to you about replacing your past with your future. First of all, we got to replace our thoughts with his truth. And he talks to himself. Here's what I love about this. You know, sometimes you can talk to yourself and they might think you look crazy, right? It's like, you know, who are you talking to in there? I'm talking to having a great conversation with me, myself, and I. But he's talking to himself, and he begins to say, what's going on with you inside? What's, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul, is what he says. What's going on deep inside of me? Why are you looking down? And he begins to talk to himself, why are you so upset? And he begins to have a conversation. I've said this before. Sometimes you got to preach yourself a good sermon. I don't even care if you get it from somebody else. Yeah, you know, man, you got to preach yourself a good sermon. And that's what he sees. He's like looking down inside. I started talking about the book on spiritual depression by Dr. Lloyd, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he says this in his book on spiritual depression. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they're talking to you. And they bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, I love in verse 42, it's instead of allowing this self to talk, he starts talking to himself. Why are you downcast? And he asks... His soul, 
why it's depressed inside of him, and he stands up and he says, hey, now hear this. I know how you feel, but let's talk about truth. God is real. He is here. You've got to talk to yourself. Listen for a moment. Let him speak. I get up in the morning and you got the things going off and, and, and the self-talk is going and, and, and thoughts are coming in. And when have you ever interrupted and said, you know what, wait a minute, let me just tell you something. Here's what I know about God. Yeah. Or what I like to do is like that thing I just thought, man, does that sound like Jesus' voice to me? Is that something Jesus would say to me? I read a story about a, a teacher that had a, a, a classroom and many of the students in the classroom had been victims of emotional, physical, sexual abuse over their life. They were abused and they were trying to work through these circumstances. And one of the exercises that she would do is she would say, now I want you to go into your mind and I want you to picture a chalkboard and what has been written on the chalkboard of your life by others? And as you can imagine, these girls begin to speak about things that are on the chalkboard of their life, things that have been written by abusers and those that didn't love them, that took advantage of them, and things were written. And said, now, can you see that on the chalkboard? It's a very emotional moment. And they said, yes. And then she said, now, I want you to picture Jesus to walk into that classroom. And he takes an eraser, and he erases the chalkboard. And I want you to think of what Jesus would say to you. Man, sometimes we remind ourselves what Jesus says to us. Jesus never told me, Dave, if you follow me, you'll never have a problem. He does say this a lot. Look here. Stop looking over there. Look here again. Okay, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. I know who you are. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, but you live on a messed up planet, but we're going to get through. It's just a season. Come on. You can follow me. There's going to be blessing in the struggle. Guess what? I can even provide a table in the presence of your enemies. So you got to replace. Secondly, you got to replace yourself with your God. Look when he stops thinking about himself and he talks to God. He says, during the day, the Lord sends his love to me. During the night, I sing about him. I say a prayer to God who gives me life. I say to God, you're my rock. Why have you forgotten me? And he's talking to God. Something about looking in the right direction can change things in your life as you begin to talk to God. Can I ask you, what's your favorite worship music? And it's okay if it's hymns. Man, there are some hymns. I've heard hymns come on, and all of a sudden, some tears. My eyes start leaking because I remember as a kid listening to those hymns and the message of those songs. And we have no excuse. Today, we have access to the greatest worship music ever with a message of looking to Christ. You can turn it in on your radio. You can get it on your phone at any moment. I'm just saying maybe a suggestion, maybe an action step was just put that on your home and let that play in your home. Maybe you already do this, but get your playlist and play it and just let it feel the atmosphere of your space because it can make a difference. You might have heard of Corrie Tin Boom. She was a Christian woman who survived a Nazi death camp and told her story and wrote incredible books called The Hiding Place. But here's what she says. If you look at the world you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look to God, you'll be at rest. And let me just ask you, maybe some of you have, this just sounds foreign to you, because there are people that are just naturally less depressed than others. Maybe you have not experienced this. Maybe in your, oh, you come through a season, you've come out of it, and you've learned, and you've learned these principles. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but the Bible says that we can comfort others with the comfort we have received. Let me ask you, who are you pointing people to? One of the incredible messages that Steve Kramer brought last week, and I'm going to remind you again, if you didn't see that, you can check out online, you can watch it again. But he talked about so many times people 
that are vulnerable aren't listened to and aren't looked for even in the church? What if you would be one of those people that look for people that you notice? And, you know, don't be awkward. Don't go, to, hey, I've noticed you really look depressed. <laughs> I've had people say that to me. I was like, I didn't think I was, but now I am. Thank you very little, right? But listen for signs. Listen for words that they're speaking. And in the appropriate moment, maybe you could step in and point them in the direction of Jesus. Maybe you could point them in the direction of someone who can care for them. Maybe you need to point to Jesus more on our social media. I don't know when we stop being Jesus followers and end up just being conservatives. Uh, we're going to edit that out because I think I just ticked off some people. But I'm telling you, we should be Jesus followers first. Maybe we pointed to Jesus more. Okay, I'll stop. What am I talking? I'm talking replace, replace. So I'm going to replace your thoughts with his truth. We're going to replace yourself with your God. And then we need to replace your past with your future. That is why chapter 43 is so important to chapter 42 because there's a shift that happens at the end of 42 and when it goes into 43, it, it, it switches into a hope for the future. And, and, and he makes this turn, forgetting the past of 42 and he looks ahead. My hope is that you will be vindicated and I will be vindicated and you will rescue me. That's in verse 1. And then, then down in verse 3 of verse 43, it said, My hope is that you are my stronghold and my light. And then in, in verse 5, it says, My hope is that God will restore his place of worship in the temple. And then it finishes up with, again, talking to himself, saying, Why are you downcast? Let's get up. The Apostle Paul said this, Philippians 3.13, you've heard it so much, forgetting what is behind and pressing on towards what's ahead. Now, this is what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, take everything behind and hide it under a rug. <laughs> Push it under the surface. Ignore that it's not there. You know what? We might need the process of dealing with some past things, but part of dealing with the past things, and you know I'm a proponent of quality Christian counseling, and it doesn't just have to be your brother-in-law. It needs to be somebody that knows what they're saying and knows what they're talking about, not just anybody with an opinion. But as I work through that, that's the process of forgetting what is behind and pressing on toward what's ahead. That is hope. We're going to do something a little different today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And we're just going to worship together one more song. And I want you to take what we've talked about today. I want you to take what I believe the Holy Spirit usually speaks a better message than what I'm saying. The Spirit is talking to you about something. He's bringing something to your mind. And maybe we could just sit just before we leave this atmosphere, before we leave this room, before you check out of where you're at, would you just concentrate for a moment and allow God to speak to you? Because it's all about looking to the future. I don't know if you've ever read the end of the Bible. Here's an assignment. Read Revelations 20 and 21. Guess what? That is your future. That's your future if you're following Jesus. I love what Randy Alcorn says. He says, for the Christian, this present life is as close to hell as you'll ever get. If you're a follower of Jesus, what you see right now, this is as close to hell as you'll ever get. But for those that don't know Jesus, this present life is as good as it's ever going to get. We are on this planet for a brief period of time. Some of it will be hard, but eternity, eternity will make this life seem paper thin. My spirit, why are you so sad? Why are you so upset deep down inside me? Put your hope in God. Once again, I will have a reason to praise him. He is my Savior and my God. Would you stand with me? Jesus, we thank you, God, today for who you are, for what you say to us. Thank you, God, that you speak a better word than maybe is naturally inside of our mind. Thank you, God, that we have the ability to look inside our heart and say, 
Why are you so downcast? Look to God. He is our hope. Thank you, God, that you can help us through difficult times. Thank you, God, for those times when what we expected didn't happen, but yet we look back and we see that you were there. God, I pray that we would be those people that don't just think about ourselves and are preoccupied with ourselves, but we would look to you and then be those that would point others to you that could be those solid rocks in people's lives that can come alongside and point them to truth when truth is hard to find. Thank you, God, for your healing work. Thank you, God, for even what you've started. I believe you've started a healing work in this room. I believe you've started a healing work for those that are watching this today. God, help us in Jesus' name. Let me just say to you today, if, if this is not like a PSA, but if you are or have dealt with depression, please speak to someone. We would love to help you. You can just actually text us at 94,000. Connect, FLC Connect, 94,000, and it will be uh, very easily uh, got to us, and we can get you some resources. You can email me. You can call me. Just let us know. Don't hold it in. But I'm also asking you to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Look for others who you can bless. You know what I found? When I'm pointing someone else to Jesus, guess what? I get to see him a little clearer too. It happens that way. Don't leave today if we can pray with you. Don't leave the room online. There's a host that would love to get connected with you in prayer. We have a prayer wall right here to your left, and there will be those there that love Jesus and would love to pray with you before you go. You know, uh, next Sunday is a special Sunday, and sometimes people don't understand why we don't have regular service on next Sunday. August 1st, we're going to go outside these four walls and serve our community. I just don't think there's anything more Christ-like or more Jesus-like than going out and getting your hands in the weeds for our community. Or you don't have to have work physically. There's going to be projects inside where you can put together appreciation packets for teachers that we want to say we appreciate. So there'll be something for everyone. And if you just want to show up and eat a hamburger, you can do that too. But remember, next week, that's what's going to happen. Out in the back parking lot, show up a little early so you can get your T-shirt. We will have coffee and donuts because you know you can't work or do anything spiritual without that. That'll be there. We'll get your shirt. We'll get you, you know, just bring a, a shovel, a hoe, whatever you got. <laughs> There'll be tools here. We'll get you in a team if you haven't already signed up. And uh, we're going to go out and bless our community. We're going to do it here and in Carleton. We're going to bless teachers from Crater Elementary and Carleton Elementary School. And we think that's just like Jesus. But until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that he would turn his countenance and shine his countenance on your life. He's turning towards you. He's looking at you right now. And he's shedding his love on your life. God bless you as you go live the life this week.